Okay, you ready? And four never have never. What is this crap? Can you? Hey, no, wait, don't read that yet. That's a that's a surprise, and you it's a trivia question for you. Don't read the answer. <laughs> well, and, you put it in the freaking notes, you idiot. I didn't think you'd see it. That's why I hit well, it in the comments. <laughs> have I got news for you? Mark as resolved in high discussion. No. <laughs> Damn you and your inquisitive mind. <laughs> Two best of friends. You think we're still going to hang out after what you just did to me? You are lying. I want that on record that you're done. Who think they know football? I will not listen to any slander against the great name of Ezekiel Elliott. I think you're an idiot. Bring you unprecedented access to the NFL world. I look like I normally do. I'm a freaking moron. Let's be real. Fitzpatrick is a beautiful man. Because here, it's real football by real fans. We don't do smart here. It's a multi-dollar production. I'll say that. The 2M Football Show starts now. Good morning, everybody out there in the 2M Nation. Welcome to the 2M Podcast. It's your hosts, Mike and Matt, back at it for another exciting new episode. Yeah. How are you doing over What's there? What's up, everybody? <laughs> oh, my God. This is hilarious. It'll be a good day. It'll be a real good day. I'm feeling good right now. Yeah. <laughs> Flying high. Uh, this is our third episode of season three of the podcast, recording on Monday, August 8th. And we got some football to recap today, Matt. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. Yes. On today's show, yes. we're going to be uh, diving in depth into the Hall of Fame game from last Thursday. Oh, I see. Uh, trivia I... question. Stop Continue. looking at it. All right, I'm about to delete it from the notes. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I marked no. it as resolved, and we're going to I go. need that, because I don't know the answer either. Just anyway. <laughs> Jesus. We're going oh. to uh, talk about some news. Not every team is into, what is this, week three of training camp. A lot of news coming out of there. Uh, continue our roster breakdowns. Today we're discussing the AFC North and West divisions. Um, but before any of that, <laughs> I had a trivia question for you, Matt. Oh, you yeah. Del- Ready for it. You just deleted the answer to. Uh, How I know many- that the answer is 12 and 4. <laughs> no. How many teams? How can I see that comment again? How many teams have never won a Super Bowl? Uh, 12 have never won the Super Bowl, and there are four teams that have never made an appearance. Wow, you're so smart. You just knew that off the top of your head? I Well, fans may not believe this based on our podcast, but I'm a little bit of a genius. I literally don't know how to find that comment now that it's been I resolved. I clicking the undo button and it didn't work. Great. Now we have to find a new uh, share document sharing platform, too. <laughs> well... Anyway, yeah, that's. I like to thank you all for joining us for two seasons in one episode. (laughs) Everything's. This is the. This is the end. Okay. uh, Yes, but that is the answer. Twelve teams have never, never won a Super Bowl. Four have never even appeared in the big game. And I had more information on that, but it's gone. So let's move on. (laughs) The NFL's uh, yearly Hall of Fame game to kick off the preseason uh, took place last Thursday in Canton, Ohio. Um, here are the inductees, or this year's Hall of Fame class, that were names that I remember actually watching. Uh, there were only two. Maybe you had more that you had heard of, but the top highlight for me, obviously, is Leroy Butler, former Packers safety and inventor of the Lambo Leap. Um, so that's exciting that he got in the Hall of Fame. Also, in his interview during the broadcast, he was talking about his mac and cheese recipe, which I want to try to get a hold of. Apparently that's what he's up to these days. I mean, when you have, when you're retired and have millions of dollars, I mean, what else do you do other than make mac and cheese? We'll find out one day. I hope. <laughs> uh, and the other guy to get into the Hall of Fame was, that I remember watching was Richard Seymour, who was of course defensive tackle with the Patriots. And he made, I think he made a joke in his speech or. or Maybe it was during the game about the the young up and coming quarterback that he played with at the time. Of course, a young Tom Brady. Right. Yeah. He'll 
you know what? That guy's going places. I have a feeling like he's going to be big one day. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch his career with great interest. <laughs> uh, in terms of the actual game, it was the Jaguars versus the Raiders. Didn't see a whole lot of starters. As as expected, you know. <clears throat> and my only note was I thought Jared Stidham looked really good for the Raiders. I know it's only like half of a, basically a pre-preseason football game, but he looked pretty good. It's a good throw as it rushed a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. And of course, Stidham has a history with Josh McDaniels, their new coach in New England, where he was almost the starter a couple of years ago before they brought back, they brought Cam Newton in instead. Um, and then once McDaniels got to Vegas, they they traded for Stidham to acquire him from New England. So just interesting. Obviously, cards have started. There's no quarterback controversy here, but I thought he looked pretty good against the Jaguars' third and fourth team defenders. <laughs> Should be, to be fair. Hey, experience is experience in this league. You get it when you can. Yep. And speaking of getting things, <laughs> let's move on to the news. Really? This is the way you segue? I don't know. You could have set me up a little better, but that's okay. So, uh, uh, yeah, we've been all waiting all offseason for the Deshaun Watson situation. Um, it's actually not resolved, but originally he was handed a six-game suspension uh, ruling that came from uh, for the new uh, CBA between the league and the Players Association. Instead of it just being basically Roger Goodell picking numbers out of a hat to determine these suspensions, uh, this ruling actually came from a retired federal judge who had a whole big report about the reasoning for it. Um, but now the NFL has appealed the ruling, which now it goes to a different person to <laughs> decide, basically. But then also, my, I understand the Players Association will have the option to sue in a federal court as well. So it's, <laughs> long story short, it's not resolved yet. We're still going through this, and nobody knows what's going to happen. So stick around on the edge of your seats. It's drama. Yeah. Why does it feel like every year for the past, like, I don't know, six or seven years, something like this happens at the beginning of every season? Yeah. I mean, this is the second year it's been Deshaun Watson, right? Last year it was the holdout and trying to force a trade away from the Texans. Now it's this. Obviously, I had a, a similar holdout situation with Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers a few years ago. Yeah, there's always stuff like going on like this. Uh, I mean, not quite like this, but <laughs> there's always stuff going on. Um, okay, so that one was something we were expecting to hear about. This one, to me at least, came out of nowhere, is that the Dolphins have been penalized uh, their first-round pick next year in next year's draft and their third-round draft pick the following year for violating the integrity of the game, which oh, and their owner has been suspended through October and fined like $1.5 million or something. What? I was wondering... I was one. My first thought. I didn't see anything about this. (laughs) My first thought, yeah, I mean, came out of nowhere. Uh, But apparently, the NFL had been doing this investigation the last six months into uh, their violation of anti-tampering policies. They had reached out to Tom Brady uh, before he even left New England, and then again to Tom Brady after when he briefly (laughs) retired this offseason. You know, and those conversations were not. I don't know the rules exactly, but those they weren't allowed to officially reach out because I think they didn't go through agents or they didn't contact New England or Tampa Bay. They just, I don't know, they just like text them like, hey, what's up? Want to come to the Dolphins? <laughs> and a very similar thing with Sean Payton, who also stepped away from, you know, NFL coaching this past offseason. They reached out to him, too. So they're trying to bring both these guys into Miami. The conversation or these communications were against the rules, though. And uh yeah, so this is the penalty. Apparently, this was not related to uh, former or fired head coach Brian Flores' allegations of being instructed to tank by ownership at the end of last year. If you remember, I'm sure you remember this, Matt. We talked about it on the show. Yeah, how, the one that I disagreed with, with, I don't know. It was a very weird set of circumstances. Right. And, and this uh, is not related to that at all. So this is a completely separate this is confusing yeah so it wasn't although they did remember when i said i was into this earlier for getting that trivia question right well i just showed clearly that was a fluke that was a good start we started strong (laughs) but anyway yeah apparently it wasn't directly related to that they did look into it but found 
uh, no concrete evidence of him telling him to tank. Although they did, they did find communications <clears throat> that he said about uh, that the owner Stephen Ross had said about importance of draft picks over wins, which and that's you know not that basically evidence. <laughs> that's, well, yeah, I mean, I, you could argue that it is, but uh, he claimed that it was a joke and everyone knew it was a joke, <laughs> so it doesn't count. Why does that sound familiar? Um, but anyway, so no, it wasn't the penal the penalty from the league had nothing to do with that. This was just about the tampering with uh, Brady and Sean Payton. So kind of a weird situation it's tampering there. If you're reaching out to them, I don't know. Well, that's why I said I don't know the rules. It was like I think they they didn't do it through official channels, like requesting a trade or something like that. I think they just I don't know. I don't know those details. <laughs> Seems like a pretty big uh, punishment though. Uh, so yeah, that's enough about that. A couple or several receivers signed extensions in the past few days. Debo Samuel to stay with the Niners. DK Metcalf with the Seahawks, both on three-year deals worth around $75 million. Uh, and then the Steelers extend Deontay Johnson, their, their uh, former top pick receiver a couple years ago, uh, to a two-year extension. <clears throat> and uh, this is more recent. Kareem Hunt, Brown's running back, has requested a trade. He's going into the last year of his contract. Uh, they have made no indication of extending him. Uh, and they've already said they won't trade him. And as we know, he's an important part of this backfield. And on a run-first team, that will be especially more so if they do end up losing Watson for the whole year. Uh, so, and the fact that they don't have uh, Mayfield anymore because they screwed that whole thing up. <laughs> right. And then what are they going to do? Let Jacoby Brissett throw the ball? I don't think so. So stay tuned there. I feel like a trade could still happen. Uh, then we got a, a little bit of injury news with Tim Patrick, Broncos receiver, torn ACL. I was so he's, upset by this. He's been good. I know he's like their third option. They haven't had a good quarterback there the last several years, but but Patrick has been pretty impressive. Uh, so it is sad to see him go down. It's this all. It's you know it's that time of year. It's always sad when these injuries start piling up. He's the the main one that I can or the first big one that I can think of that's happened so far. Remember last year the Ravens lost their entire backfield to ACL tears in the preseason and offseason. This year it starts in Denver, so it's a blow for Russell Wilson, but you know, he's he was the third option there, so not a not a huge one. Still sad though. And then maybe more impactfully is Matthew Stafford has been having apparently bad elbow tendonitis. Uh-oh. Being held out of some drills, um, but then I, over the weekend, he was full of participant in seven on sevens. So it's, it's maybe he's okay for now. Just reps, but yeah, that's something to uh, be watchful for. Totally, yeah, manages reps and then probably pain injections. So let's just Good hope luck. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep making this joke until the podcast ends. But just make sure he doesn't have. Uh, uh, Shoot, Tarot Taylor's, Taylor's trainer. Doctor. Yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. All right, that's all the news. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back for our AFC North breakdown. And we're back. Uh, welcome back in to our football podcast. Coming to you, continuing our divisional breakdowns with the AFC North. Um, and as usual, we'll go top to bottom in order of the standings from last year. And that means starting in Cincinnati Man, well, with the Bengals. Like the next one, bottom to top? Uh, no, because that's not the order the notes are in. Whatever. <laughs> Just kidding. Sure. We could change it up. Yeah. Nope. I can too read. Late. All right. I... Bengals, right? I think. <laughs> that's right. So, <clears throat> quick 2021 recap. They were 10 and 7. They won their division for the first time in seven years. And, uh, Pretty big surprise. It was Joe Burrow's second season coming off that ACL tear partway through his rookie year uh, where he did look really good. Uh, they, yeah, like I said, they were a surprise contender in the AFC, largely thanks to Burrow and his dynamic connection with rookie receiver Jamar Chase, who, uh, of course, was his college teammate as well. And the team, they, they swept the Steelers and the Ravens in the division. And uh, they, they won three out of their last four to regular season games, including an impressive win over the Chiefs, um, to take the AFC North crown. And so in the playoffs, they were incredible. Um, 
close games all around. They beat the Raiders by seven in the wild card. And then they, they took down some of the biggest teams in the AFC, even the Titans and the Chiefs, both thanks to their kicker, uh, Mr. McFearless, on, on game-winning kicks. I think this kicks. just reiterates, too. You know how we always tend to pick on kickers, but, like, talk about needing a clutch kicker to, to come in clutch. I couldn't think of a different word. That's okay. <laughs> they went up against Tennessee and Kansas City, and it was their kicker that put them over the top, and they almost beat the Rams the same way. <laughs> like, it's crazy how much right. they needed. that they, they would not and, have made yeah. it that far without their kicker. Absolutely. He was a rookie, too, I think. And they didn't have to spend a second-round pick on him, Tampa Bay. <laughs> um, but, yes, like you mentioned, they did make it to the, the Super Bowl. Really close, really fun game. They fought hard. and It was uh, – they came up just short, though, against the Rams, losing but just three points, 23-20. to 20. Their biggest issue <clears> – <throat> they remind me a lot of the Chiefs from, what, two years ago now? where uh, their biggest issue like throughout it, the playoffs was pr- protecting the quarterback. Uh, protecting Burrow was the Bengals' biggest issue. Uh, I forget what it was. Didn't, didn't he get sacked like nine times against Tennessee or something, set a new playoff record? It was record a crazy for, amount of times. It was it was too many. Yeah, and it was a big problem for them. Uh, and we'll get into this in a minute. They've already done a lot to address that. Uh, yeah, so they lost the Super Bowl, but they can't be too disappointed. They're I don't think anyone was pegging them as a contender last offseason. So this kind of came out of nowhere for third-year head coach Zach Taylor. Um, and, and, yeah, it's the fastest team turnaround in league history from being at the bottom of this division the last few years to, you know, the top of it and one win away from being champions. Well, and my question is this. I know we tend to put the quarterback position on a pedestal, and it seems to overshadow everything else. But think about this. The reason this team in one year went from lower mid of the pack to the Super Bowl was simply because they got Joe Burrow back. So does this inflate the the need for that dynamic quarterback, or should you still have a well-balanced team? Because the team overall isn't bad. They just didn't have Burrow at the helm. Right. All of a sudden, they got one player back and they go toe-to-toe against the Rams in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's uh, no secret these days that you have to have a top quarterback to really be a contender. And this, I think this does prove that out. And it was the connection between him and Jamar Chase that that really ignited this offense. So I, I think it is true. Just looking at the numbers of their offense, they were 13th. Uh, with 360 yards per game, seventh, uh, their pass offense was seventh. Rush offense was just 23rd. But uh, like we said, their offensive line needed some patching up. They put up plenty of points, 27 per game, which was seventh best. And uh, on defense was uh, kind of a mixed bag. They allowed uh, 350 yards per game, which was middle of the pack. The pass defense was much worse than the running defense, which was strong. And uh, middle of the pack in points allowed too, with 22. And that was 17th in the league. And they've really only added to this squad in the offseason. The only real loss in free agency was CJ Uzoma, the tight end. And they brought in, look how many linemen they brought in. Just looking at the list here. They brought in Alex Kappa. They they brought in an entire offensive line. Basically, yeah. Alex Kappa, who was a starting guard for Tampa Bay. Lyle Collins, starting tackle from Dallas. Uh, Ted Karras, the center from New England. You know, these are all good established players. It's not like they're bringing in washed up veterans or anything like that. Uh, and then Hayden Hurst to fill the tight end position uh, from Atlanta most recently. <clears throat> and then in the draft, and that was so they basically focused on the offense and free agency, leaving them to focus more on the defense in the in the draft. They took yeah, with the 31st pick, they took Dax Hill, a defensive back out of Michigan. And then in the second round with the 60th pick. It was Cam Taylor Britt, another DB out of Nebraska. So they've really, like I said, they've really only added to what was a Super Bowl contending roster last year. No coaching changes, of course. When things are going well, that's not when you see guys getting fired, unless you see guys getting poached by other teams for head coaching roles, but not in this case. They bring back the same coaching staff. 
continuity breeds success. I mean, the teams that have usually won back-to-back or have been very successful tend to keep all their key positions from coaching down to players pretty consistent. Yep. So why don't you tell us about some of these players on the offense? Um, I mean, who do you start with other than Joe Burrow himself? What I'm impressed is how much he was able to bounce back. A torn ACL, especially early on, always leaves you concerned uh, for how that player is going to be. Typically, it doesn't happen your first year. Um, Usually, we see somebody who's this star-studded player, then gets hurt, and then their career just isn't the same. But it's almost like Burrow got better. Um. 4,600 yards, which was sixth in the league, 34 touchdowns, and a 70% uh, completion percentage, which was number one in the NFL. Uh, yeah. And our, our BFFs at PFF, that's never going to get old. Nope. <laughs> rated him the number one quarterback last year. Uh, I have to say that that is marginally due to this, this other guy. You may or may not have heard of him, Mike. Uh, Jamal mm. Chase, hey. who probably had one of the best rookie years for a wide receiver that I've seen in a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he broke Justin Jefferson's record that he set just a year ago for a rookie receiver. I was about to say, other than Justin Jefferson, I mean, you've got, like, colleges are prepping some of these guys better and better each year. You know, every time we see a record set, we're like, there's no way that can be beat. And then somebody comes in and damn near beats it the next year. And you're like, okay, well, I've never been more uh, wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But second most receiving yards by an NFL rookie in NFL history, 1,455. And the second most touchdowns, which was 13. Um, You've got the always solid, reliable T. Higgins, uh, which was another... Uh, first round pick from a couple years ago. And then Tyler Boyd. Um, not typically a name that you would you would put up there, but in terms of the way this offense runs, um, that trio of receivers in that core gave Burrow the offensive firepower he needed to, to get the job done. But yeah, absolutely. you can't just have a passing game. You have to balance it with a run game. And that is done by the great Joe Mixon. Um, with over 1,500 all-purpose yards last year and 16 total touchdowns, you really can't uh, argue that. And it seems like this year it should only get better. I mean, as you pointed out, they addressed the offensive line, which was a huge concern. If they can give Burrow the time and open up the running lanes for Mixon, there's no reason why this team can't make a deep playoff push again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't even really come up with a question for this offense besides just bringing in all these new players. will take some time potentially to gel together. I guess you Especially, could ask the yeah. basic question is, can they do it again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is the question, I guess. Is there enough uh, tape out there for defenses to study? Because that's what always happens, right? It's like some some new player or some new formation or something goes crazy one year and then defensive coordinators have the whole off season to study it and come up with ways to try to stop it. But uh, so that would be one thing to look out for, but I mean, the personnel on this offense is just so good. Now they're, they're solid all around with the, with the line coming together too. On the defensive side of the ball, they've got a, uh, I just I feel like this name keeps popping up, and I just love it. Chidobi Awuzie, a cornerback. Uh, last year was his first year with the Bengals, uh, but his performance made a big jump from how he'd been doing in Dallas the last few years. He played like a almost a, like a borderline top tier coverage guy, uh, as well as having two interceptions and 14 pass deflections. Uh, also in the secondary, they've got a good group of safeties with Von Bell and Jesse Bates, although. Uh, Bates was a guy that used the franchise tag earlier this year. Uh, however, similar to Devontae Adams, he says he has no intention of playing under the tag and seems like he's ready to hold out for a new contract if, if they can't come to an agreement. Uh, they've also got DJ Reader on the line and then Trey Hendrickson, who edge rusher, a guy they brought in in free agency last year. Had kind of a breakout year in 2020 with New Orleans and backed that up with another solid one in Cincinnati with 14 sacks last year. 
more there are definitely more questions about this defense than there is about the offense. First one being, can they, they spent the draft capital on the secondary to improve it. So can those guys, they'll be looking to make a, a year one impact. And uh, pass defense was the weakness of this unit. So <clears throat> it's a passing league these days. So that's not a sustainable way to win games. You need a strong secondary to kind of counteract that. So uh, we'll have to see. It's up to the players and the coaching staff to get them ready, get the young players ready to start contributing day one. Definitely. So overall, I mean, they were had great success last year. I would argue they've addressed their biggest weaknesses on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, I don't know what else to say about them. They look like a really solid team, <laughs> but it feels, I, I feel like I can't give them an A roster though. So I still got them at a B plus. Maybe I'm dumb. You tell me. Well, they, they gained more than they lost, which is always a, a thing that, is comforting to see a team. They've kept continuity in it. Um, they addressed the major concern. The defense wasn't perfect, but it did enough to keep them in the game, right? And yeah. I'm going to circle back around to, to McFearless himself. They've got a they've got a star kicker that I'm hoping he can re, uh, repeat that process. So I'm going to give them uh, an, an A on the roster. I think they drafted or they didn't draft. They uh, acquired excellent talent on the offensive line. I think we're going to see the sacks of Joe Burrow go down this year by quite a bit. I wouldn't necessarily say half, but we shouldn't see any more nine sack games um, yeah. against not a great defense uh, of Tennessee. You know, Burrow seemed phenomenal. There's going to be another year of rapport. Um, I do expect maybe Chase's numbers to dip a little bit now that they know that he is definitely the go-to guy. But as we've seen in other teams like Green Bay and Tennessee with their number ones, they can feed them the ball and still make it work. So as long as Burrow's accuracy, which should still be there with the protection, I don't see why this team doesn't at least make it to the AFC championship again. Yeah, hard to argue with any of that. So I'm, I'm usurping you and going giving them an A on this, uh, this grade. Fair enough. All right. Next up in the division last year were the Steelers uh, finishing nine and seven and one, which is more games than I remember them winning. Uh, they actually made the playoffs. <laughs> Just remember, also Tomlinson's pre- never had a losing season. Tomlin. Yes. Uh, probably also true of Ladini Tomlinson. <laughs> but yes. Um, yeah, they actually made the playoffs as the Do number seven. Do you really want to call you- people out on stuff, Michael? <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with uh, no on that one. <laughs> it's a no for me, dog. So, yeah, it was, uh, they, they didn't play great football in what was uh, Roethlisberger's final season. He retired at the end of it. Oh, right. They, they made it in because of the Colts' unbelievable loss to Jacksonville on their final day of the regular season. Yeah, they, uh, this they was a team. It. Yeah. This is a team that kind of won ugly in the games they won. A lot of low scoring, close games, kind of typical, I guess, of the AFC North. Um, close games where they ground out a win somehow. Their average margin of victory was just five points, 5.6 points in the games they won. So a lot of close one score games. Uh, and in, in the final month of the season, they, they went three and one with big wins over the Titans, Browns and Ravens in that time. Uh, and however, before you read that last point. It was okay. in those three games we really thought that maybe they were they were clicking that they were coming together. However, right, you had um, T.J. Watt going crazy with his sacks, sack numbers, and production. But yeah, they went up against the buzzsaw of the Chiefs' offense in the wild card round and got dominated forty-two to twenty-one, which is a scoreline that actually flattered them more than uh, that game actually was close. Not that that's even a close score, but that just goes to show. It was not a close game at all. Uh, okay, let's look at the stats. The offense was uh, pretty poor, 23rd overall with 315 yards per game. Their uh, pass passing offense was 15th, 29th on the ground, and 21st in points per game with just over 20. Defense was a mixed bag. Uh, they were they had the ninth best pass defense, but they were dead last against the run last year, and they averaged. Uh, 23 points per game, which was 20th best in the league. 
significant amount of change for this team this offseason. Obviously, Roethlisberger, we already mentioned he retired. Uh, Stefan Tuitt. <laughs> Stefan Tuitt. You're right Defensive lineman. <laughs> Did you see yeah. Oxygen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you reading that? Did you see that typo? I see you're not calling this one out. <laughs> Anyway, also retired. That one more surprising given I think he was only oh, like 28 yeah. years old. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, they also lost uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the wide receiver in free agency, went to the Chiefs. Uh, Trey Turner on the offensive line. And then Joe Hayden, uh, cornerback, remains an unsigned free agent. And they brought in you know, Mitchell Trubisky. tired I am. I you didn't like, notice that what, one? What team is F.A.? <laughs> <laughs> then it clicks. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, they brought in from Buffalo, who's been the backup there the last few years to uh, battle out potentially to be the week one starter. Uh, James Daniels, offensive lineman from the Bears, they brought in. Uh, Miles Jack, the linebacker, former no, first round pick by Jacksonville. Uh, Mason Cole, a center from the Vikings. Levi Wallace, uh, cornerback from Buffalo. Uh, and then Jannard Avery, defensive end from the Eagles most recently. So pretty active in free agency. In terms of the draft, you still with us? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, they were the first team to take a quarterback, the only team to take one in the first round. They took Kenny Pickett, 20th overall, quarterback from Pitt. And then in the second round with the 52nd pick, they took George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia. So they've revamped this offense quite a bit. They do have one coaching change. They've got a new defensive coordinator. Terrell Austin will be replacing Keith Butler. Hopefully he's not terrible, Austin. uh, For some reason, my mind went to pterodactyl, and I'm like, I don't know how to make a joke out of that. uh, Austin has been an NFL coach since 2011. He was the defensive coordinator in Detroit for four years. Same role with the Bengals. And uh, he's been with the Steelers since 2019 as a defensive assistant and then uh, secondary coach. So he'll take over defensive coordinator duties this year. Uh, looking at the roster overall, it's hard to find someone you'd call a stud, really, on this on the offense. Uh, Najee Harris had a pretty good season last year, but it was his numbers were, were more due to just the sheer volume of touches he got than actual, like, you know, impressive production with them. Not to say he looked bad, but it, he was a real focal point of the offense. Right. Another rookie on that offense, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, uh, was pretty impressive, both as a blocker and a receiver. And then their new center, Mason Cole, acquired in free agency, is probably in the top half of the league in terms of starting centers. There's obviously a ton of questions for this offense, and it starts with the quarterback. It, it seems like it'll be a... Or they've said it'll be a training camp competition between Trubisky and their first-round pick, Pickett. Uh, it seems like seems likely it'll be Mitch this year, unless Pickett obviously is super impressive. I mean, can we at least say that if Trubisky starts, then at least it's temporarily? Like, I want Mitch to have this shot. I really do. Yeah, I would love this for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if this quarterback class, anybody in this quarterback class that was drafted, gives me the confidence to say they are starting the 2022 season. No, absolutely not. And I think Pickett's the only one from this quarterback class who even has a shot. Um, but, yeah, it seems – and they signed Mitch to just a two-year deal. seems likely that he starts this year. And then if Pickett makes strides, he could come in either late in the season or, or next year. Uh, whoever starts, though, it's, it is a pretty solid offense around him, if not star-studded. Najee Harris, like I mentioned, real workhorse running back. Uh, and then you've got pretty good receivers with Chase Claypool, who's uh, entering his third year, I think. Deontay Johnson on that new contract. Uh, and then Pickens, the rookie they drafted, who's pretty exciting. So, yeah, I guess we kind of answered this already, but... Do you think there's any chance that Mitch just completely balls out and takes the starting role by the by the horns <laughs> and keeps it? Well, this is always a weird set of circumstances. So Mitchell Trubisky drafted by Chicago. They traded up over San Francisco to get him. We still aren't sure about that move. He was okay in Chicago 
you know, for as much crap as the fans give him, I don't understand it. Because when they were winning, although ugly, they benched him to put Nick Foles in, and then the team went like 6-10 and 10 for the remainder of the season. It was awful. Goes and sits behind Josh Allen. Now, that may very well have been a good thing to see being in a city that had a decent quarterback. It's like Josh Allen's all right. You know, he, he can throw the ball, I guess. And now he has an yeah. opportunity. But the biggest thing here, I think, is the weaponry around him has been upgraded. He didn't have this in Chicago. He had Allen Robinson, and that was kind of it. Here mm-hmm. he has a much more diverse wide receiver pool. He's got a much better running core behind him. My only question is, how does this offensive line fare up? I mean, given that Najee Harris was able to produce, granted, its amount of touches that gave him that production, but he still was able to produce. So the line is still a decent line, probably upper middle of the pack here. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great opportunity for him. Not to mention the coaching staff. Like you already talked about Tomlin and how successful he is. He has been throughout his career, but he's got a more stable, uh, yeah, coaching staff around him than he did in Chicago. With was it John Fox when he first got drafted, and then obviously Matt yep. Nagy. Yep, Fox struggles. <laughs> yeah, so so it's a much the, better this, situation. The coaching staff knows each other very well, so. I think he's in a much better situation. That being said, he has sat for almost a year and a half. So I do expect it to be a little rough out of the gate, but that's kind of what preseason is for, right? To knock off a little bit of the rust and get going. So there's a real, I yes, there is a real chance here, but I think it's going to cool. have to be perfectly aligned, but it's not impossible. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm excited to watch uh, what happens there. And I, I really do hope it's him under center week one. Looking forward to seeing it. Let's uh, pick up the pace here a little bit. They've, the Steelers have always had a good defense. It's kind of been their calling card. They brought back Akella Witherspoon at corner on a new two-year deal. He's been one of my random favorite players of the past few seasons. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick at safety had a little bit of a down year to his high standards, but I'm assuming he'll get back to his former form he's been one of the best safeties in the league throughout his career uh cameron hayward monster on the defensive line still at age 33 he's been one of the most consistent players at that position and then of course tj watt he was so close to a new nfl record for sacks i think he was just one off the record he had like 23 or something and he's just a dominant force uh, as a pass rusher and i feel like as a unit this defense really underperformed to the level of their personnel and so that's my main question is, like, can they bounce back? They've got a new coordinator, a couple new players to freshen things up a little bit. And uh, I want to see if they can bounce back and be the defense that we're used to seeing. Overall, there's still a lot of talent on the roster. And honestly, anyone is probably an upgrade over this, the version of Big Ben we saw play the last couple of years. Uh, I believe the defense will, will perform better, and it'll kind of come down to how good the quarterback, whoever it is, can perform. And uh, I I phrased it in the notes as a question, but I believe it to be true that either of them could actually be uh, more effective than Roethlisberger was at the end. I can't give them more than a B on the for the roster grade, though. I give them a B minus upwards of like on that cusp of a C simply because we do not know the quarterback position yet. Yeah. And whoever it is, it's not going to be an elite, you know, like like you were talking about in the borough discussion is. It's, you need to have a top-tier quarterback to be a real contender. And whoever it is, I don't think they'll be that. So as excited as I am to see it, I, yeah, they don't they don't have that right now. So sounds good. All right, Browns were third in the division last year with an eight and nine record. Uh, they actually started out really strong. They started three and one, but they never won back-to-back games the rest of the year. As Baker Mayfield got more and more hurt and, and less effective over the course of the season. Uh, they lost three of their final four games to end the season with a whimper. I love that word. Who wrote these notes? Genius. Um, <laughs> and uh, as a, as usual, they had a, they had a great uh, rushing attack, fourth best in the league. Their passing offense was near the bottom, uh, middle of the pack in yards per game or in points per game. Defense was really good, actually. They we had the fifth best, allowing just 311 yards per game. Uh, fifth against the pass, twelfth against the run. 
uh, 13th in points allowed with just about 22. This is another team that's had a lot of uh, a lot of movement this offseason. They, they like I to mean, move they it, move it. They sure do. <laughs> I, I put it as a loss. It happened in the middle of the season, though. They cut Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, they let Austin Hooper go in for agency. Also, Andy Janovich. We don't talk a lot about fullbacks as a whole on in the, the league at large, but um, the Browns run so much. They're one of the few teams that has one. So it seems like a big deal that they won't have him next year or this season. Uh, they also let Jarvis Landry go, a longtime receiver here, good possession guy. Also, MJ Stewart in the secondary, and then JC Treader, who kind of surprised to see that he hasn't been signed yet. I should double check on that because he's, I remember him from the Packers. He was a really, really good center. Uh, and then obviously the headline for this team this offseason was trading for Deshaun Watson. Uh, they gave up a ton of picks for him and a ton of money. And I put in here likely suspension looming. I guess it's still true because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the NFL's appeal. Could end up being more games. Could end up, he could end up playing week one if this goes to like a federal court where this needs to be battled out. Right now it sits as a six game. They appeal and it becomes a 10 game. And it's like, well, that's not exactly what we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So still a ton of. Uh, everything's up in the air there. Uh, they also traded for Amari Cooper, who they only had to give up a fifth round pick to acquire from Dallas, who didn't have the $20 that he wanted <laughs> for his salary this year. Uh, they also brought in Jakeem Grant, wide receiver from Chicago, and, and I think kick returner. And then uh, Jacoby Brissett, obviously, from Miami, who is expected to, or who will be the starter as long as Watson is out, however many games that ends up being. So due to all the trades and stuff, they didn't have a pick until the third round this year. 68th overall, which they used on Martin Emerson Jr., a cornerback out of Mississippi State. And they bring back the same coaching staff, so no change there. Uh, in terms of the offense, obviously, Deshaun Watson is a stud at quarterback if he plays. It's been two years since we last saw him actually in NFL action, but at that time he was viewed as one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Brissett's going to start if he, or well, he's suspended. Obviously, we know about uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, the best, yeah, that's probably fair to say, best uh, running back tandem in the league, pending Hunt's potential trade. And then uh, the offensive line has always been a strength of this team historically, and they've still got a elite pair of guards in Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller. Uh, questions. Yeah, J.C. Treader already mentioned. I'm not sure why he's still out there as a free agent. Maybe they'll bring him back at some point. Um, but outside of that, the obvious question for this team is what happens with uh, Watson. If he's if he ends up playing even like half the season or more, I I think this Browns roster around him is talented enough to get a couple wins without him. Maybe even be like a 500 team, and then getting him back, obviously. Uh, is a big upgrade over Baker Mayfield. However, however bad I feel for the way he was treated by the team. Uh, I can't deny Watson's talent. So, uh, however, there's not much of a receiving core left in town to work with. It's basically just Amari Cooper and a bunch of uh, youngsters. So that'll be interesting to see. On the defensive side, obviously Miles Garrett, is the the main player here, Ed Rusher. I've heard uh, he said his own. Yes. So has uh, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> he set new point. career highs last year uh, in his fifth season with 16 sacks, 17 tackles for loss, and 33 quarterback hits. Just a game wrecker for opposing offenses to deal with. Uh, then they've got Denzel Ward, who was a top five draft pick a few years ago at cornerback, and then. I believe their first round pick. I didn't put when he was drafted, but he was a rookie last year. Jeremiah Usu Koromoa. And uh, yeah, in his rookie season, 76 tackles. Just a super productive player with three tackles for loss, four QB hits, four pass deflections, two forced fumbles in the 14 games he played. And PFF is a big fan. Our BFFs over there graded him ninth at the linebacker position. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about the Browns? 
Yeah, that's probably the question in the NFL, what to think about the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I feel like this is a team that will find a way to screw up something good. I get a lot of people were not on the Baker Mayfield wagon, but I really thought he was he was a solid quarterback for this franchise. He may not be the Dak Prescott, you know, um, Joe Burrow, or even, you know, the long-term Russell Wilson type names, but this guy did what he could with what he was given. Um, look at their coaching and carousel of offensive coordinators. And then to treat your player, no matter what you think of him, like right coaches and play players should have your back, even if they're not a fan of you, like that's just what you do in the press, you show team uniformity and they didn't do that to him. So what's to make me think that they're going to treat Watson any different if he doesn't, if he manages to start week one and he has a bad four or five games, what is this organization going to do to him? I, I don't have confidence that this organization knows what the hell it's doing. They have very little inside of a wide receiver support. Now they're going to heavily rely on the run game, which to me, it shouldn't matter who your quarterback is then as long as they can complete a pass or two here or there. You know, Ryan Tannehill isn't exactly a top five in terms of offensive firepower for his arm, but they rely on Derrick Henry. So I I don't know what to think of this organization. <laughs> I think they could go out and get top tier talent, even if Watson is his old self still. When he starts, this organization finds a way to lose. And I think until they actually figure themselves out from the front office to the field, they are always going to come up short. So I yeah. don't know how to grade this roster because the roster looks okay. <laughs> it's everything else that I'm terrified of. They have no wide receivers. They have an okay defense. They seem to, to screw themselves over in the quarterback position year after year they can never figure out their coaching staff. So I just don't have the confidence that I had like two years ago in this team where I saw the Browns turn a corner. They're going right back down this sloggy slope and it's not going to end well for them. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, at least they've got some continuity with Stefanski at the head coaching job uh, for the couple of years now. Um, the biggest, yeah, like you said, the biggest hole, like looking at the roster, it looks really solid outside of the receiver position. And then, Obviously, the the Watson situation looming over the team. Uh, we've been saying about this team, I think, a couple of years, they were a quarterback away from being a contender. and it, it all hinges on, like, their prospects for this year all hinge on how, how long they have Watson, if at all, for this year. Um, so, yeah, I guess we kind of have to give them an incomplete, but the roster looks pretty good overall. So maybe a C? <laughs> well, I had him at a B plus, but I guess that assumes that they have a quarterback. Brissett's not terrible, but he's definitely not a solution. Right. He's yeah. He's a stopgap bridge quarterback to when they get. I mean, if he's out, let's say Watson does hold up a six game suspension. If they can go three and three under Brissett, I mean, mm -hmm. I guess they have a shot of at least second place again in this division, but they have to go at least 500 without without Watson there to have a shot at it. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to they don't want to dig themselves into too deep of a hole in that time because I mean, we'll we'll do our division preview or picks predictions in a different episode, but I mean, I'd imagine we were both eyeing Cincinnati for the top spot again, which is weird to say, but yeah. All right, let's move on to the final team in this division, the Ravens. They surprisingly finished uh fourth place in the division with an 8 and 9 record last year. Uh, I mean, we all we already touched on this. They lost their top three running backs to season injuries before week one of last season. Uh, their secondary was also ravaged by uh, injuries, I guess, injuries? again. Yeah, I was trying to think of another word. <laughs> Casualties? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Casualties. That's good. Uh, but despite all this, they were actually eight and three after week 12 of the season, and they were the number one seed in the AFC at the time. Uh, then Lamar Jackson got hurt, and they ended the year on a six-game losing streak and missed the playoffs completely. 
Well, then I don't think they helped themselves in the offseason, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, we will uh, talk about receiver questions. Um, uh, by the numbers, they were a pretty good offense. Somehow they were the third. I mean, somehow it was Lamar. They were the third best rushing <laughs> offense in the NFL with no running backs. Uh, I like the, like the self-correct there. <laughs> somehow, yeah, I figured what am I talking about somehow? Lamar Jackson. I figured it out pretty quick after I thought about it for half a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, 17th in points per game with about 23. The defense, shocking disparity here between their run and pass defense. <laughs> they were the I mean, number one like rush defense. I they were last in the pass and first in the rush. Am I right? Am I right? You are right. You are exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and that uh, averaged out to right middle of the pack, 19th in points allowed per game with 23. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happened uh, this offseason. Well, it feels like a lot happened. The, the headliner was during the draft. They traded away their number one receiver, our Marquise Hollywood Brown, to the Cardinals, which uh, was which notably and very publicly upset Lamar Jackson, who was tweeting during the draft. A lot of angry emojis and uh, WTFs. So clearly that wasn't something he was aware was on the table going into that. <laughs> uh, they also lost Sammy Watkins to free agency. Not that that's a huge loss or a huge gain on the other end by Green Bay, but whatever, it still happened. Uh, and then they lost two starting uh, cornerbacks, Tavon Young, who was picked up by the Bears, and then Jimmy Smith, who I guess is still a free agent. <laughs> they brought in Marcus Williams, the safety from the Saints. I love that addition. Uh, they brought in Morgan Moses, tackle uh, from the Jets. Kyle Fuller, who used to be a big name, but he was actually not that great with Denver. But they're, they're bringing him in at cornerback now. Uh, and then they brought in Mike Davis, another veteran running back, uh, most recently with the Falcons. And then in the draft, they took Kyle Hamilton, exciting, versatile safety out of Notre Dame with the 14th overall pick. Uh, then 25th, I think this is the one they traded. They got back in the trade uh, where they traded Brown to the Cardinals. Uh, they took Tyler Linderbaum, center out of Iowa. And then, uh, yeah, in the second round of the 45th pick, they took David Ojabo, edge rusher out of Michigan. Uh, one coaching change for this team. They've got a new defensive coordinator, uh, Don Martindale, being replaced by Mike McDonald. who and It's not a huge change in the sense that McDonald's been with the team for the last, uh, you know, or while he was there from 14 through 2020, in different position coach roles on the defense. Uh, last year, he was actually Michigan's defensive coordinator, uh, working with the other Harbaugh, and uh, now he's back. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Man, your brother yeah, sucks. I'm going to go work with your other brother. Yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah, you're mean. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going back to Jim or John. I, I don't know who's who. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if we get into the roster, obviously on the offensive side, it starts with Lamar Jackson, quarterback, uh, who, yeah, like we said, missed the final last game or missed five games last year with a bone bruise in his ankle. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into these numbers. He, he was having a little bit of a down year, I guess. Uh, but still putting him in the studs category due to his, his rushing abilities and just that athleticism. But he kind of hasn't replicated his 2019 success through the air it's been um and that's not going to get any easier this off this year with the receiving core when healthy they've got a pair of stud running backs jk dobbins and gus edwards but both (laughs) these guys when healthy i mean they pull each other in the knee (laughs) they both tore the acls tore their acls last offseason and and are not even practicing yet they're not going to be ready or they're highly unlikely it seems to be ready week one of this season that's a great sign. Yeah. Uh, they've got Mark Andrews, a tight end, though. He's a top, I don't know, top three pass-catching tight end in the game. And he's also a great blocker. So just a really, really important player for this offense. And then Kevin Zeitler at guard is, is a really solid offensive guard. So, yeah, Matt, how do you feel about the wide receiver room for this team? Is there one? <laughs> it's empty. <laughs> I mean, you've got Rashad Bateman. And yeah, pretty Andrews. good as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's your pass catchers. 
I this team has done nothing to address their problems. Nothing. They're going to put it all on Lamar's back, and then they're going to get pissed when they don't make the playoffs. And it's like, I don't understand the logic here. It's actually insane. Uh, yeah, if you just look at this depth chart, it's just wild. And there's still free agents out there, like Will Fuller. At least that's the that's Your number two and three are like Devin Duvernay. Yeah, he's going to be the, the number. He's going to be a starter. His name is. <laughs> I, yeah, it's weird. Like four it's... catches last year were like, oh, okay, that guy's all right. But is he number two all right? And the I mean, problem you have with very strong wide number two wide receivers like Rashad Bateman is the simple fact of when they are now responsible for the main coverage draw, can they fight through traffic? Juju is a great example of this one. Across from Antonio Brown, Smith Schuster was phenomenal. But then when he became the number one and was responsible for weaving through the traffic and getting open and making contested catches, he really didn't replicate the dominance that he saw. Instead, you had Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool take over that. So I don't know if Bateman has not only the experience, but does he have the capacity to take on that number one role as early as he is? Or look at like the the Chiefs. You could argue that in prior years they had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And and not much else around it. But but the other players around them were at least to the level good enough that if other teams like other defenses double covered both those guys, they still had the well, talent yeah, had to like make Pringle these plays. And all those guys that had the capacity, or even Watkins while he was there, they had the capacity to still make the catches when they needed to. So right. yeah, your stars were taken out, but that just meant that those guys there could make and uh, right. And and just to continue that. In, or to compare it to Baltimore, obviously, you could argue Mark Andrews is on the level uh, with Travis Kelsey, uh, but Rashad yes. Bateman is, is no Tyreek Hill. <laughs> and, no. But there's, they've got a similar setup there. Where there's, well, I and guess I it's, feel like it's, Lamar's it's similar, passing yeah. this year is going to be very similar to what we saw in Derek Carr and the Raiders, right? Darren Waller, who is another top five tight end. Yep. The defenses were figuring out he's just going to feed Darren Waller the ball. If Jackson tries to do the same thing here. We're going to watch his interception rate jump because he can't keep running it. That's just a given. You saw what happened to quarterbacks who just think that all they can do is run. Look at Cam Newton. Very Mm -hmm. similar play style approach, and it is not sustainable. The last quarterback to make it sustainable was Michael Vick, who really transformed the way that a running quarterback works. Oh, yeah. The, the the thing Lamar does well that some of those other guys were not as good at is avoiding hits, at least. Like, he's good at getting out of bounds. He's a very good slider, which some guys never mastered. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, you're running the ball that much, but he's at risk every single play, and he's one of three really great players on this offense. So <laughs> we saw what happens without him in the lineup last year. They lost six games in a row and missed the playoffs and everything. So I'm I'm really surprised that they're – going into the re- season with this receiving core. But uh, for now, that's what we got. <laughs> On the defensive side of the ball, Marcus Williams, the safety that they brought in uh, in free agency, uh, love, this, love this acquisition. He should be a big improvement, really help out this secondary. Uh, Josh Bynes at linebacker, uh, not a name, not a household name by any stretch. Uh, he's just a really solid veteran interior linebacker. Um, and just as an aside, since we've talked about this on the show before, <laughs> PFF is really sticking to their guns in terms of his his teammate Patrick Queen in the linebacking core. <laughs> I I think he looks okay in on film, but uh, last year he was given a, a 43.5 was his grade <laughs> last year, which is out of 100. <laughs> And they ranked him as the 72nd best linebacker out of 87. You but are absolutely least... <laughs> not happy about any of that. I don't understand. I really don't understand it. But at least it's an improvement from when he was dead last in his rookie year, 2020. Yeah, that, that so. rating almost wrecked our relationship with PFF. Almost, almost. But there's still our PFFs. So there um, might be yours, but I got to find someone else to pick on now that what's anyway. his name from ESPN is gone. <laughs> oh yeah he's with nbc now uh so i Talking guess that was it. there we go yeah it doesn't have the same ring <laughs> uh 
okay. Then you got Calais Campbell on the defensive line. Still kind of the, the anchor of it at age 36. But uh, I think the biggest question is, have they done enough to fix the secondary? Uh, like I said, Kyle Fuller would have been a much more exciting addition like a year ago, like I felt about him in Denver, but he had a pretty rough time there. So maybe it'll go better in Baltimore. We'll have to see because he's not it's not like he's a washed up aging guy. Like he's still in his physical prime. Uh, so we'll see if it, another change of scenery, if, if this one works out better. Uh, Marlon Humphrey is usually really good, but he had a bit of a down year last year as well and, and was injured some. But they've done a lot. They, I love the draft pick of Kyle Hamilton. Like I said, he's a really versatile safety. Should be able to boost them up. And then Marcus Williams, proven veteran, been a long time standout as part of that Saints defense that has been really good. So what does it all add up to? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm like we we just discussed. I'm very concerned about Lamar Jackson and his offense with their lack of receivers, the fact that they they have no healthy running backs still, and the season is just about a month a away. Low, a low C on this roster. They have no plan. Well, I think take, they do I, they, they do have a plan. The plan is, is one or two injuries, and this entire team comes unraveling. No, I, I would argue with you there. They do have a plan, and the plan is for Lamar to put the entire team on his back and carry them to the end zone, <laughs> carry them to, to wins. I don't think it's a good plan, but I think that's the plan. <laughs> I agree with you. It's it's not well set up. I gave him a B. That's probably, it's probably generous. Should be that probably like his way team. too generous. <laughs> yeah. So if you had, I know we're going to do our official prediction on a different show, but is it crazy to see the Ravens finishing the bottom of this division again? No. Unless they make some, like, before trade deadline, they make some, I don't want to say shocking, if they make any move at all, honestly. Yeah. That really helps redefine this this offensive front. Like, no. Like, if they went 500 this year, I would be astounded. Because you look at them in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh doesn't have the quarterback, but they do have a very good roster outside of the quarterback. The Ravens have a great quarterback. And nothing to support him. And yeah, yeah, scattering of good players throughout the roster, but but nothing like what Pittsburgh has there. I so know this yeah. This is I a think... very like this is a very out there comparison. But the Ravens right now are kind of like what Brady had at this end of tenure at like New England, where he's still fine, but they weren't putting anything around him to support. And you can only make mediocre good to a certain extent before you need talent Mm -hmm. we're worried about the ravens suffice to say and i think we're gonna wrap this episode at that we're already at an hour so um thanks for joining us for another divisional breakdown we'll be back soon with the uh the afc west to round out the afc thank you for listening to the 2m football podcast with matt and mike Don't forget to follow us on our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others who may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans. And remember, we will see you next week on the Gridiron.